You can have a seat as you're sitting. The kids through fourth grade are, are dismissed to your classes. Team, thank you for, for reminding us what a, what a privilege, as it was just said, it is to, to gather together freely, to lift up the name of our Lord, to lift it up in, in song and in prayer, through the word, all these things that we are able to do together. We are indeed blessed and uh, so thank you for, for helping lead us this morning. And uh, as you are joining us, maybe uh, for the first time, we're in the midst of a, uh, a season looking at uh, the language of blessing. What does it look like to use the language of blessing in how we speak? And our theme verse as we've begun this year is Psalm 19:14. If you know it, would you say it with me? You can cheat by looking at the screens. Um, if you're looking at me, I know you're doing it from memory. Uh, but, but join with me. Let's say it together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Oh, it's a, it's a privilege that we have to learn how to speak those, those words as, as we inform our hearts on the truth of who God is. This morning, we're looking at an aspect of that as we consider what it looks like to direct our blessing, that language, towards God. Uh, so, so we're going to consider what it looks like to bless God, just as we've been talking about what it looks like to bless one another. We're going to be in Psalm 103. Uh, so you can go ahead and, and find that, scroll there, do whatever you need to do to find it. If you don't have a Bible, there's some under the seats in front of you as well. And as you turn there, as you uh, flip there, whatever it takes, uh, the big idea I want us to be thinking about this morning, we'll continue to come back to this, is that blessing the Lord is my worshipful response to him. Blessing the Lord is my worshipful response to him. There's a couple things I want to point out as we jump into this. The first is, is that statement, blessing the Lord. And in the psalm, the first thing that comes out of the psalmist's mouth, we sang it early, earlier, bless the Lord, O my soul. And depending on which translation of the Bible you're using, yours actually may say something like, praise the Lord, O my soul. And so what I want to point out out the gate is that these words are interchangeable. When we're talking about blessing the Lord, we're talking about praising him for who he is, for adoring and worshiping his name. So blessing the Lord, praising the Lord is our response to him, to who he is and what he's done. So that's one, one little point, the terminology thing, and while we're on that subject, uh, just using the language, that, that language of praise and worship, I want to remind us that that's, that's broad, that's all-encompassing. We, we can kind of get narrow focus sometimes and think, well, worship is what just happened. And now we're going to, to, to hear a message and, and then we're going to leave and go live our lives. No, no, no. Worship is what we're doing right now and what we'll continue to do as we leave this place. And one aspect of worship, yes, is gathering together and singing songs of praise. But the very breath in our lungs, as it comes in and out, we can breathe out worship to God in the midst of whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. So that's an important springboard for us as we talk about what it means to bless the Lord with, with, with praise, with, with worship in our response to him. And the other part of it is that, that the response piece. Blessing the Lord is my worshipful response to him. When we respond to something, we're reacting. 
We're reacting. So when you're walking through the house in the middle of the night, you step on a Lego, you respond in that moment. When, when your kid comes home from school and, and has a, an A plus on the top of the, the test and is all excited, you respond by getting excited with him. When, when a friend calls with, with news that was unexpected and hurts, it, you respond by grieving as well. We're constantly in a state of responding to things around us. You're responding to me right now. Some of you might be checking your watch, dozing off. Some of you might be ready to take notes if I say something that actually is profound. Uh, but we're, you're responding to me, and I would go so far as to say that we're all responding right now to God. So what we're going to take time to do together is to ask the question, are we sensitive to God's presence, his character, and his work in our lives in such a way that we can respond accordingly? The psalmist makes clear what our right response to God is. It's one of of worship, of blessing, of praise. So we're going to turn there now to see how he's going to get us thinking in that way. Psalm 103, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV this morning. Beginning in verse 1 and 2, I'm going to read those. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So following the lead of the psalmist, we're going to remind ourselves, and our first point is that we must continually continually remind ourselves to bless God. We must continually remind ourselves to bless God. We see David stirring himself up here. That's what he's he's talking to himself, to, to remind himself to do this. And it's a valuable lesson. Because if we aren't intentional about taking this step on a regular basis, we're going to forget. In this this context, the opposite of, of praise is forgetfulness. So when's the last time you had this conversation with your soul? Do we do do that very often? Hey, soul, come on, bless the Lord. Didn't you just hear what he said? Come on, soul. How do I get you to wake up and, and bless the Lord? And, and we start wondering, how do we, how do we talk to ourselves this way? That's, is that what David's doing? Yeah, it's, it's a necessary conversation. So if you're concerned about how to start walking around having that conversation with yourself, if you're concerned about how much self-talk is too much self-talk, uh, Pastor Timmy, will you help them navigate through that if, if they need to know when they're talking to themselves too much? Anyway, uh, in the end, all that to say, that really is what's going on. The psalmist is having a conversation with himself because he knows he needs to. If he doesn't, he will forget. And we're all in the same shoes. The most influential human voice in your life, outside of the, the voice of, of God through his word and through his spirit, the most influential human voice is, is your own. It's with you 24 hours a day, whether you like it or not. And for some of you, that, that may be a little bit alarming. As you consider, what are the things that I'm reminding myself of? That's David's point right here. I'm able to bless the Lord as I remember who he is and what he has done. As I forget not all his benefits 
repeatedly reminding myself of those things. So what are you telling yourself? Are you speaking God's truth to your soul? A truth that's rooted in his character, in his word, in his, in his work, his saving work that he's done for you? And if not, why, why not? Why, why do we not set aside the time to, to speak that truth into our hearts on a consistent basis? What obstacles are getting in the way of you speaking truth to yourself? How have you exchanged the truth of God for a lie as you speak to your heart? The more that we're speaking truth to our souls, the more our natural response in all circumstances will be blessing the Lord with all of our soul. It's one thing to remind ourselves that we need to do that. David gets that, but we need something beyond that initial exhortation. And thankfully, what he's going to do is give us the specific truths that we need to be speaking to our souls, the reminders. This is what you say to your soul to help provoke that blessing that we can respond with. So our second point as we continue on, the encouragement to you, consider the ways the Lord has blessed you. Consider them. Consider the ways the Lord has blessed you. I'm going to read these verses, verses 3 through 5. I want you to listen, follow along if, you, if you'd like, if you're visual that way. Just, I'm going to go through them slowly and consider the blessings that God has given you who are in Christ. He's a God who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. What are the ways the Lord has blessed you? It's important to look at what those blessings entail and at what they don't entail. So what are they? What are, what are the blessings the Lord has bestowed on you? For starters, he says, forgiveness, healing, and I would, I would say as David's writing, these two thoughts go together. Yes, healing involves our physical bodies, but that's not the end in what he's talking about here because he knows as well as we do that our bodies are going to perish. David knows that our greatest sickness is a heart that is sinful, and that a, a, heart, a sinful heart that has severed and separated us from a relationship with God. That is the greatest sickness every one of us in this room faces. And so the greatest gift of healing is to have a relationship restored with God, which comes through forgiveness of sin. That's the healing and the forgiveness that go together here. And for us, we have such a sure hope that those things can go together. For forgiveness of sin comes through Christ. This sure promise, Paul reminds us in Ephesians 1, verse 7, that in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. We have pardon from sin. That's a remarkable blessing indeed. So, so have you laid hold of that blessing? 
It's important to recognize at this point that we simply can't respond to the Lord with blessing, with praise and adoration and worship in this sense if we've not first been made new through Christ. We simply can't. Our first step in blessing the Lord is, is placing our faith in Christ as our rescuer, as the one who redeems our souls, who, who saves us from sin and death for his eternal glory. That's the first step in blessing the Lord. So, so if you've not taken that step, may this be the time where in your heart you come to that place where you realize your, your sinfulness, mine, every one of us, our sinfulness has separated us from God. And through Christ, he's made a way to restore that separation. Amen. Christ dying on the cross and rising to life so that we could be brought into this family of God as we place our faith in him, the only rescuer, the only redeemer of our souls. That's the first step. And once you do that, you enter into this place now where your life can respond over and again with blessing to God. For those of us who are in Christ, it's worth noting that at this point, David is continuing to recall those blessings that he and each one of us is individually recipient of. If you were in Christ, you have received all of these blessings one by one. So he continues, God has redeemed your life from the pit. This is similar to, to a statement that David made in a, in a different psalm, Psalm sixteen ten. He says uh, that you, Lord, will not abandon my soul to Sheol, to the grave, nor let your Holy One see corruption. And I would say there's something implied here that goes beyond physical circumstances. Yes, for many of us, he's lifted us out of a, a very... Uh, obvious pit. We, we were in this place of despair, and God lifted us out of that. But even beyond that, there's this picture of resurrection. It's a picture of being lifted from a place of despair into a place of great glory. You've been crowned with steadfast love and mercy. You and I have a crown I need to be reminded of that. That is a glorious truth. We are, we are heirs of righteousness through Christ. We're, we're recipients of this glorious eternal inheritance rooted and secured in the steadfast and unfailing love of God. It talks about his steadfast love. Your Bible may say loving kindness, his unfailing love, his chesed. It's the, the word there that's used in this psalm and a couple different places in this psalm throughout the Hebrew scriptures to express the covenant love of God for his people. If you're familiar with the Jesus Storybook Bible, it's a, it's a children's Bible, but I would recommend it to anybody because of how it unravels the, the, the story of God's redemptive grace throughout history. It, it takes the concept of this kind of love and says it this way. It's God's never-stopping never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. And we've received that. Coupled with compassionate mercy, that's the description of what crowns us in Christ. So, how are we doing at wearing our crowns? How are we doing 
at wearing the crowns of steadfast love and, and compassionate mercy that God's placed on us in Christ? Are we, are we representing those things well toward one another? Is the, the, the unfailing love of God and his compassionate mercy reflected in how we wear our crowns toward one another, toward the world around us? Or to center back around to our big idea, is, is the way we're wearing our crown blessing God? David hasn't even concluded this list of blessings for you and I. We're also satisfied, he says in verse 5. We're renewed, again, because of who our God is. I mentioned earlier that, that we must also know what is not being discussed in this list of blessings we've received. Notice that none of these blessings are circumstantial. These aren't blessings that manifest themselves in, in material wealth, here today, gone tomorrow. In, in prosperous living, in, in pristine health. Yes, those things can be blessings, but those are not the primary blessings that, we're, that David's explaining here, and we're mistaken if we place supreme value on those. You and I are not blessed because our circumstances are good. We are blessed because our God is good. It's his righteousness and steadfast love, his mercy and redeeming grace, his work of saving and securing and promising us this eternal inheritance. So to learn the language of blessing, we have to first meditate on the true blessings that are ours in Christ. And this is how this all ties in to blessing God. We can only respond to God with blessing, with true praise and worship and adoration, when we've truly understood, when we've truly apprehended the blessings we've received from him. Otherwise, our response is going to be incomplete. Consider the difference between a response that's conditioned upon our circumstances or one that's conditioned upon the unchanging nature and action of God. What's the difference? If our response is conditioned on our circumstances, our response to God, then when, when we're feeling well, when the bank account is, is full, when the family's happy and the kids are being obedient, then, oh, then we're blessed. And then I can bless God and others. But if our response is conditioned on who God is, then yes, those things can be happening. Or, when sickness starts to wreak havoc on this earthly body, when you have no idea how the next bill is going to get paid, when the constant turmoil in this relationship is causing it to sever, when, when you receive news of, 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 a, of a child who has decided to turn his back on his God and his faith, and your heart is aching, not knowing what to do with that. We can still in those moments recognize that we are blessed by God. And we can respond with blessing. That's why we need to know the true blessings we've received. 
Because then regardless of circumstances, we can respond rightly. Even in the midst of the difficulty, even in the midst of the crying out, we're crying out to a God who has done these things, who is these things for us and to us. And at this point, the, the psalmist makes this little shift, even as we're thinking about how God has blessed each one of us. Now he, he changes to this plural focus. He opens our eyes to look around us at, at take in those who are our brothers and our sisters in Christ, and, and then to consider, this is the third point, consider the ways the Lord has blessed us. It's a change of one word from the last point. Consider the way, ways the Lord has blessed us. I'd like to just take a moment and have you think about this, this room right here. The collective stories in this room of how God has, has redeemed, rescued souls, saved, saved people. It's astounding. I, I take, take a minute, just look around. We don't usually do that in here. It's kind of one of those, oh, that person's staring at me from across the room. That's weird. Really, look, look, look at this place. If, if most of us, my prayer would be all of us, but if most of us even have been saved through faith in Christ, we have a story of how God has reached into our life and, and rescued us. And in one sense, the story is the same because it's the same God saving us in the same way through the grace of Jesus Christ. But every circumstance in which he's done that is different. So you take all these stories and you pull them all together and as we start to interact in those ways and find out what are the things that, that God is doing in your life, that multiplies our response to God. When I can find out how, how God is working in your, way, in your life in such a way that's, that's blessing you, you see these blessings just manifesting themselves in your life. When I get to be a part of that, when I hear about it, I get to respond to God with praise as well. So now you're not just praising God by yourself. I get to join in with that. And the more we start sharing these things with one another, the more our praise, our blessing God multiplies in our midst. Amen. So, so what are we rehearsing together? This is, a, this is something that we need to do, again, to go back to the very beginning. Otherwise, we're going to forget we're going to so quickly forget the things that God's done. That's where David's going in this psalm. He's talking about how, how the, the, Israelite, the Israelite generation that came out of, of, of Egypt under Moses, they came out, what a, what a picture of God's unfailing, unrelenting grace in the midst of a people who, who were stubborn and, and kept forgetting him, who were pretty much like us. <laughs> He just kept on showing them that grace, that loving kindness, that mercy. That, that Yes, there were consequences for sin, but he continued to pour his love and his, his sustaining grace into that people. That's where David is going. He talks about the, the Lord working righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. And so just as they were able to do in Moses' day, so we respond to the very nature of God and how, how that nature causes him to act on behalf of his people. This is, this is who God is. He revealed himself to Moses in Exodus 34, 6. And, and I would encourage you actually to keep your, you can look at Exodus if you want to make sure that what I'm saying is actually there. Don't get me wrong. 
uh, Exodus 34, 6. Look at Psalm 103, verse 8, as I read Exodus 34, 6. God's revealing himself, and he says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. David is borrowing directly from that language as he describes God's person and work here. David listened to how God revealed himself to Moses, and he turned that into this place of, of praise in this psalm, exalting who God is. This, it's the same God. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed today either. This is our God. And so are we praising him together for who he is? Because who he is helps us understand who we are and who he made us to be. That shapes our response to him. As we seek to live out this, this character and nature uh, that he has shown us, planted in us, as we seek out to bear his images, as we seek to live out his mercy and grace, as we seek to, to demonstrate his love and his faithfulness to a world that needs to see that. And we need to be reminded often because, again, we're a people who can quickly be defined by our forgetfulness. Our, our simple faith. Indeed, even as God goes on in Exodus 34, 7, back in that, that place where he's revealing who he is, there's, he continues by explaining because of who he is, there's, there's consequences for sin. He will by no means clear the guilty, it says, visiting the iniquity of fathers and the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. David, back in the psalm, knows this as well. He knows that this isn't just a God who says, yeah, I, I love you, and no matter what you do, there's still, you're still a sinner. That's a problem. And so David is going to explain the answer, the solution to that problem. God does not, or excuse me, he is, he is quick to withhold his hand of punishment. David is helping us to see. He does not hold on to those sins with a tight fist, being slow to release them and, and forgive his people when they seek his face. Quite the contrary, and that's, that's a reassurance to us as we, as we think on this. The more accurate our assessment of our natural condition the more remarkable the truth of verse 10 becomes in our hearts and minds. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. That's, that's a powerful reminder. That is, as we consider who we are before a holy and just God, a God who, in his perfect holiness and justice, must, must punish sin. To consider that God does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. That, that's good news for me today. I hope it's good news for you today. 
The punishment that we deserved was fully placed upon Christ. Isaiah is talking about that in, in Isaiah 53 when he's talking about painting this picture of, of Jesus Christ suffering on our behalf. In verse 5, he says that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Uh, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. Yes, God is just towards sin. But praise and bless his name. He's merciful at the same time. So we can say that as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. We can say that and we can believe it. We can mean it wholeheartedly. David uses that, that comparison as high as the heavens are above the earth to just express the magnitude of these blessings that we've received from God in Christ. It's a remarkable thing to consider, and he goes on. The next one, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Quick Quick math lesson. A straight line doesn't bend. It goes straight, okay? And it goes two different directions. And a point on a line is, is when we say we, the line is, is five feet long. It's cool. There's a point here and a point here, and that's five feet. But an actual line without any points on it, just it goes infinitely in, in either direction. And so that's the picture we've got here. You're saying east, west, it goes around, and eventually it's going to meet. Now, I'm not talking about a circle. I'm just talking right where we are, a line. Straight line either direction, off into space. Sins that way, and he's removed them and removed us that far, indefinitely. That's the picture we're given here. Consider how... How far God has removed, even is now removing your transgressions and mine. What does that mean? It means that God will not deal with you according to what your sin has earned if you are in Christ. If you've, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, there's no way that sin is going to come back to condemn you. There is... There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a, that's a sure promise. If Jesus has saved you, your sin will not be used against you to keep you from entering his glorious presence. Isaiah 50, or 42, uh, 43, excuse me, 25. God says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I will not Remember your sins. Now that's, that's a really powerful reminder. It's not telling us that God's forgetful. Our sovereign God knows everything. So when he's saying, I will not remember your sins, it's, they're over there. They're never gonna come back here. I'm never gonna pull that file back out to use it against you. I'm not gonna pull that out and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you trusted Christ to save you, but... Yeah, forget about that. No, it's done. And that is the supreme example we receive of forgiveness. 
That's what it looks like to truly be forgiven. And that's a very important application for us to consider as we think about our response of blessing. How does my life of forgiveness, my willingness to forgive, the way that I forgive, reflect the way I've been forgiven by my creator? Do I forgive in the way that Christ first forgave me? Do I use the sins of those who've hurt me to turn around as leverage or as a place of authority? Or am I quick to forgive as my God has forgiven me in Christ? That is a hard thing to practice. But as we do it, We are blessing the Lord through our example, through how we live. We become channels through which God is blessed and praised as we forgive as he first forgave us. The next comparison, this this one ought to bring such peace to our hearts. David compares God in his love to a compassionate father. This is the father who has an accurate estimation of his children. What do I mean by that? He knows who we are. He knows our frame, David says. So so his expectations of us aren't unrealistic. We have a father whose expectations of us are not unrealistic. He knows we are dust. He's the one who made us that way. Genesis 2, 7, God was, or God created man from the dust of the ground. The same God who made man knows our makeup today. And he cares about us. He's demonstrated that as we've been just reciting. These are all the ways he's demonstrated how much he cares about us. Yeah, we're, we're dust. In the, in the grand scheme of the cosmos and all of eternity, where, where do we fit in with that? Seven billion people. Here we are. This, this majestic galaxy and universe. Who are we? And God knows us and cares about us as a father with compassion on his children. How do we know that? We are told the steadfast love of the Lord for you, for me, for all of us together, is from everlasting to everlasting. So are we reminding each other of these truths? Are we helping each other to respond rightly to God in, in healthy fear, as, as the psalmist says? Uh, those who, who fear him, what's it look like? It's recognizing who he is. It's coming before him humbly. In, in adoration and reverence because he's worthy. How marvelous is it that our God has redeemed sinners such as us? And that's essentially what I'm doing right now. I get the privilege of reminding all of us. I need the reminder just as much myself of who God is and what he's done. That's what we're doing together. And through that then, are we, are we encouraged to respond to God in worship, in blessing, even as our, our brothers and sisters in Christ remind us of who God is and what he's done for us. So, so may those reminders continue among us as we learn the language of, of blessing. And just like that, we see the psalmist return now 
to this very thought, blessing the Lord as he concludes the song. This is the response of blessing. That's our, our final point. Respond to the Lord. It's a call. Respond to the Lord with the blessing he deserves. Respond to the Lord with the blessing he deserves. Listen, this comes full circle. Verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So after we've considered the full expression of, of God's redemptive love toward us, we respond with blessing, the blessing that he deserves. The Lord reigns on his throne. That's where he has established, David says. So our response, our right response to him is to join this, this anthem of praise and blessing that's in progress and it will continue through all eternity. It's to join the, the, the hosts of heaven, his, his, angel, his angelic chorus. It's even to join with, with all creation, all of his works as they praise his name. We join in that song together. It's to look ahead to the day that we're gonna join, as John says in Revelation 7, with that great multitude from, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Oh, it's to lift that voice of praise and blessing on the basis of who God is and what he has done for us. And that comes all the way back to each one of us. David began this psalm by reminding his soul to bless the Lord. And he ends after going through this whole list of, of the many blessings that God's lavished on him and on all of us, and he concludes with this very same personal reminder. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. As we remind ourselves of that, with the team come, come up? So what? How am I, how am I seeking to rehearse the many ways in which the Lord has blessed me? How am I seeking to rehearse, to think through, to remind myself of the many ways in which the Lord has blessed me? Maybe just reading through a psalm like that, again, to remind yourself. And then how am I allowing those reminders to bring about this, this blessing of worship in response to him? Lord, I pray that even now as we consider, as we, as we chew on the truth of what you've given us in your word, these are your words to us. This is you revealing who you are to us. So, so help us to respond rightly. There's so many ways in which the, the things of this world and even the, the sinful patterns in our hearts get in the way of us truly grasping who you are and what work you've come to do, Lord. So, so bring us into that place where we can see it more clearly. Help us to further grasp what you've done for us in Christ to bring us into that relationship with you. And, and Lord, help us. Help us to respond with praise, with blessing, with worship to your great name because you deserve it. You're worthy of it, Lord. We pray this for your glory. 
In Jesus' name, amen.